Well, today we're continuing the series uh, on vineyard distinctives. We've we've signed on into the Vineyard Association, and and they have some distinctives in their values and their priorities and their uh, principles that just happen to be the same as ours. And I think it's worth our calling attention to. We try to do this once a year anyway. Forget forget the vineyard thing. We try to to bring attention to kind of what we stand for uh, once a year in a series at least so that everybody's on board. We have a a lot of new people that come on uh, during any calendar year, so we we like to make sure that everybody knows that they know what we stand for. Those things that renovation has naturally in common with vineyard, with all the vineyard churches that are a part of the vineyard family throughout the world, actually. So we're in the third part of a series, and this week uh, I've titled this thing, Renovation Vineyard Church is about people who are learning to live like Jesus. That's you. That's me. We're learning to live like Jesus. Why in the world is that important for us here in the 21st century? Well, there's a national polling group called the Barna Group, and they've done some... They do secular polling as well, but they're primarily known for their pollings of, of religious groups throughout America. And they tell us that the, for the vast majority of Americans, those who call themselves Christians, there's very little difference in their lifestyle choices from those that are in the secular society. In other words, we look almost the same to the people outside of the church. Now, the good news is, according to this research, that evangelicals, and that's what we would call ourselves, that's how we would describe our church and and vineyard churches as well, evangelicals fare somewhat better than the norm, particularly, particularly in the older uh, brackets of our populace, the elders and the boomers. But overall, evangelicals represent only about 7% of the total population in America. So it's a small group anyway. That's, that's the good news. The bad news is the younger we are, the, the more indistinguishable our lifestyle choices are from the general population, particularly with regard to our moral choices. The younger we are, our moral choices tend to be more like the people out in the world. To outside observers, it would be impossible to tell most Christians from non-Christians simply by following us around and watching what we do or what we say. And that's why here at Renovation Church, we're trying to learn to live like Jesus did. And why we're trying to teach others how to live like Jesus as well. We don't do this every week, but I'm going to ask you to read this first scripture with me. From Ephesians chapter 4, verses 11 through 13. It'll be on the screen as well. Uh, But it's in your handout there if you want to read along there. 
Ephesians 4, 11. So Christ himself gave some to be apostles, some to be evangelists, and some to be pastors and teachers to prepare God's people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Let's look at that last phrase there. Become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. You see, that's one of the primary functions of the church with a capital C, not necessarily us, but the church in the world. It's to teach people how to grow up, how to grow up and then live like Jesus. And I'm talking about learning how Jesus thinks, learning what gives him joy. We should have joy for the same things. Learning what breaks his heart, and that should break our hearts as well. And then learning how to show others what Jesus has done for us. Not just telling them, but showing them. I mean, lots of folks, you know, can talk the talk, but it's a little more difficult to walk the walk. That's another thing altogether. That takes a life that has been changed from the inside out. That takes what we call a Christ follower. If we want to make any headway at all, if we want to advance the kingdom of God as we're called to do, we have to learn to live like Jesus did. Why? Well, it's simple. Because changed lives change lives you got that changed lives change lives that's the only way we can do it and today's big idea kind of falls out of that last statement Jesus transforms and equips and empowers ordinary people you me ordinary people to change the world He's equipping you right now as you sit here to change the world. My only part as a leader of this church is to equip you to change the world. And if we aren't equipping you, then we're not doing what we're supposed to be doing, what we're called to do. In other words, Jesus changes, Jesus changes how we think. He teaches us how to live. And Jesus gives us his spirit so we can live like him. Because we can't do it without his Holy Spirit. It's impossible. You may be able to survive 15 minutes, but that's about it. Without the power of his Holy Spirit. In short, Jesus changes us so that we, in turn, can change the world. And this isn't just for spiritual marines, you know, the, the few and the proud. It's, it's for everybody. It's for everyone. And yes, if you're here, if you're listening, I'm talking about you. It's for you too. 
So how does this work? That's what we want to look at today. How in the world does this work? What does Jesus do? Well, he does four things, I think. The first is Jesus welcomes everyone. Everyone. Why? It's simple. Jesus sees people through God's eyes. He doesn't see people as we see them. Look at Genesis 1, 27. And in the New Living Translation, this is the story of the creation. It says this, So God created human beings in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. And when Jesus looks at us, he sees, well, he sees something of himself. It may not be readily apparent to, to all of us. It may be well hidden in there, but it's there nonetheless, and Jesus sees it. Look at 1 Samuel uh, chapter 16, verse 7, also in the New Living Translation. This is the story of Samuel's choosing David to go out and fight Goliath. From, from all outward appearances, David was a bad choice. Should have been somebody else, not this little kid that was tending sheep. But that's not how God saw it. Why? The Scripture tells us. The Lord said to Samuel, The Lord doesn't see things the way you see them. People judge by outward appearances, but the Lord looks at the heart. He looks at our hearts. So God sees me as I was made to be. Not as I look to you folks sitting here. God looks at me and he sees what he made me to be. He looks at you and he sees what he made you to be. Not where you are today, not the problems that you're going through, but how you were made to be. So ask yourself, what does God see in me? When he looks at you, what does he see? I know what I see when I wake up in the mornings, stumble into the bathroom and look in the mirror. I see an old guy with thinning gray hair and circles under my eyes who needs a shave and a diet. That's what I see. But that's not what God sees, thank goodness. God sees me as I was made to be, even before I was born. And God sees how I've been shaped and how I've been molded, my genetics and my upbringing and my schooling and my family and my work and my entertainment, where I've lived, what I've done. God sees the entire history of my life, every thought and every action, every choice I've ever made, the good, the bad, the ugly, all of them. And still, Jesus welcomes me. And he welcomes you. Why? Because Jesus also sees your heart. He sees your heart. Jesus sees me as I was made to be. Jesus sees me just as I am today. But he also sees me how I can be tomorrow. 
and next week and next month and next year. And Jesus sees how I will be one day when I see him face to face. That's what he sees. So ask yourself another question. When you look at other people, what do you see in them? Do you see what's on the outside? Or do you see their hearts as God made them? Can you see them with spiritual eyes as Jesus does? I know sometimes it's hard. I'll admit I have trouble doing that sometimes. When we begin to get past how people look on the outside, though, and we learn to look at them the way that Jesus sees them, as they were made to be, then we take the first step in learning to live like Jesus did. We welcome everybody. We welcome them, just like Jesus did. So what did Jesus do? What does Jesus do? He welcomes everybody because he sees them as God made them to be. The second thing is Jesus heals every sickness. Jesus heals every sickness. Look at Matthew 4, 23 and 24 from the New Living Translation. It says this, Jesus traveled throughout the region of Galilee, teaching in the synagogues and announcing the good news about the kingdom. And he healed every kind of disease and illness. News about him spread as far as Syria. And people soon began bringing to him all who were sick. And whatever their sickness or disease, or if they were demon-possessed or epileptic or paralyzed, he healed them all. Why did Jesus do that? Because Jesus came to restore or to renovate lives. John 10.10 says in in the New Living Translation, and this is a a good one because it contrasts uh, Jesus' purpose with the purpose of the evil one, Satan, the thief he's called. The thief's purpose is to steal and kill and destroy. My purpose, Jesus says, is to give them a rich and satisfying life. They're at opposite ends of the, of the pole. God wants me to have, to live a life that's full. God wants me to live a full life, I guess I should say. Jesus wants me to have a rich and satisfying life. And in the message, that same scripture, uh, John 10.10, 10, says it this way. I came, Jesus says, so they can have real and eternal life, more and better life than they ever dreamed of. You want a better life than you've ever thought about or dreamed or hoped or imagined? When Jesus looks at you, he sees you as you were made to be, even a reflection of himself. 
however hidden it might be in you right now. And Jesus sees you as you will be one day in eternity. A whole person, forgiven, set free from whatever it is that's holding you in bondage and captivity right now. But Jesus also sees you as you are today with your hurts, with your habits, with your hang-ups. He sees the broken pieces, the, the shattered dreams, the fears and anxieties that, that paralyze you. He sees your physical illnesses, those of you that are physically ill. He sees your broken relationships, your anger and bitterness over wrongs done to you. He sees your frustrations and your depression, your confusion, and your loneliness. Jesus sees everything that Satan has stolen from you. Everything the thief has killed or destroyed in your life. And you know what? It breaks his heart. It breaks his heart. Why? Because Jesus came to restore your life, not to take your life away. Jesus came to give you a full and a satisfying life, a better life than you've ever dreamed of. And that's why, that's why Jesus heals people today. He heals to recover your stolen property. He heals to restore your soul. He heals to get you back on the road to living a full and satisfying life. You see, everything is in play here. Every kind of disease and illness says Jesus heals them all because his purpose is to give you a better life, a better life than you've ever dreamed of or imagined. So ask yourself right now, what needs restoration in my life today? What needs fixing in my world today? And when you hear that list of hurts and habits and hang-ups that I went through, what comes to your mind? One of those stood out. What jumps out at you? You know what? That's the Holy Spirit speaking to you. And that's where Jesus wants to begin the healing process in your life today. And in a little while, I'm going to invite folks up here for prayer. If God's put something on your heart that needs healing today, some hurt or habit or hang-up, I want you to come when the invitation is given. So Jesus welcomes everyone because he sees us as we were made to be. Jesus heals every sickness because he wants us to live a full and satisfying life. And thirdly, Jesus calls us to a new lifestyle. Calls us to a new lifestyle. Why? Because Jesus expects changed lives. He doesn't expect us to stay like we were. 
Mark 1, 14 in the English Standard Version says, Jesus came into Galilee proclaiming the gospel of God and saying, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. Notice those two words, repent and believe. When Jesus calls you, calls me to follow him, he expects us to change our lifestyles. Repentance, you see, involves a change of mind. You look at your life, and you realize that things aren't going so well. There's got to be more to life than this. And even by your own standards, sometimes you're embarrassed and ashamed by some of the things you've done. The problem is, I've been there, you've been there, maybe you're there right now. The problem is you're stuck. You're absolutely stuck. You're so locked into your current lifestyle that you have no idea how to get out of it. And maybe if the truth be known, you're not even sure that you want to get out of it. And when Jesus says, come, follow me, he's offering you a way out, a chance to change your life. That's where believe in the gospel, that phrase comes in. Believe. Believe involves trusting Jesus. You've got to trust Jesus. You look at Jesus and you say, hey, he's the one who can get me out out of a lifestyle, a lifestyle that's going nowhere fast, and put me into a lifestyle that's full and satisfying now and for all the future. And he will offer even greater rewards than this after I die and go to heaven. So you make the decision to follow Jesus and and to find out who he is and, and how he thinks and to watch what he does and how he does it, and then you begin to copy him. And you say and you do the things that he does. And gradually, over a period of time, you're living a full and satisfying life that Jesus offered to you in the first place. But lifestyle change, hear me, lifestyle change is not easy. It's not easy for any of us. All of our surroundings and most of the messages that we receive on a daily basis from news and TV and movies and internet and advertising from our families and our friends and our neighbors, all of that works against us. Totally against us. Why? Because the world is working on an entirely different value system than God's value system. Look at Romans 12.2. This is from the Phillips translation. And Paul says this, Don't let the world around you squeeze you into its own mold. But let God remold your minds from within so that you may prove in practice that the plan of God is good for you. 
meets all his demands and moves toward the goal of true maturity. Living like Jesus. God wants to change my thinking. God wants to change my feeling. And God wants to change my doing. And remember, repentance involves a change of mind. It begins with that change of mind first, as this verse says. Allowing God. Allowing Him to get in there and reshape our thinking. And that takes place over time. And it continues, honestly, for an entire lifetime. It's never through. It's never quite there. There's an old story about a young seminarian, a guy that was in seminary who was assigned to preach one Sunday at a little country church. And when he got there, no one showed up except for one old farmer. So he asked the farmer, should we still have a worship service today? And the farmer said, when the cows come to the barn, they expect to get fed some hay. So they sang hymns, and the young preacher preached his heart out. Everything that he had learned in all of his years in seminary. And at the end of the service, he asked the farmer, well, how'd it go? And the farmer said, when the cows come to the barn... They expect to get fed hay. But they don't expect to have the whole haystack dumped on them. Here's the point, and there is a point to that story. God's not going to dump the whole haystack on you at once. I promise he won't do that. It's not a matter of presto changeo, here I am. Lifestyle change takes place over time. And God is gracious and kind. He reveals one thing that needs changing. And then He sends His Holy Spirit to help you with that. And then He brings something else to mind. And He sends His Holy Spirit to help you with that. Jesus lived with his disciples for three years. And you know what? There was, a, there was still a lot of unfinished business in their lives when he left them. And, and it's no different with us. Ask yourself, what needs changing in my life right now? What's dragging me down right now? Right this very minute around this room, the Holy Spirit is bringing up lifestyle issues that need changing. Every one of us. Things that are dragging some of you down. Things that you need to let go of. Just let it go, as it says in that stupid song. <laughs> They're coming out with a frozen two. I don't know what they are, but you know what they are. And today is your day. And when we invite folks for prayer, that's your opportunity to bring those things to Jesus.
So take that opportunity today. Repent and believe. Jesus is offering you a better, more satisfying lifestyle, and the Holy Spirit will help you get there. He's not going to leave you alone. So Jesus welcomes everyone because he sees us as we were made to be. Jesus heals every sickness because he wants us to live a full and satisfying life. Jesus calls us to a new lifestyle because only changed people can change other people. And fourth, Jesus sends us into the world. Sends us into the world. Why is that? Because Jesus intends to change the world. That's why he came. In fact, he's, he already has changed the world. And now, Jesus invites us, you and me, to, invite, to uh, join him in that process. We look at Matthew chapter 28, this familiar scripture. We even memorized this thing back a, a few months ago. This is the message translation or paraphrase. It says this, Jesus gave his charge. God authorized and commanded me to commission you. Go out and train everyone you meet far and near in the way of life, marking them by baptism in the threefold name, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, just like we're going to do on Easter. Then instruct them in the practice of all I have commanded you. I'll be with you as you do this. Day after day after day, right up to the end of the age. Some of you in, in here have expressed an interest in going to Costa Rica with us in July. And we'll be contacting you here shortly about, we want to get through Easter first. <laughs> we'll be contacting you about uh, the particulars of that trip. Others of you have already been to Haiti, other places around the world, telling people about Jesus. Last week I talked about our involvement here at Renovation with Prison Alpha over at J. Reuben Long and how God's making a difference, a huge difference in these men's lives. And people are beginning to talk about it over there. This, this cell block's different. What's different about them? And all of these have a common purpose, and the purpose is to train everyone to, we meet both far and near in a new way of life, baptizing them and showing them how they can learn to live like Jesus. But these are not the only opportunities we have to change the world in Jesus' name. This verse, as you recall, that's still up there, says, uh, train everyone you meet. Yeah, there you go. says, train everyone you meet far and near. Now, when we read this scripture, we normally think about missionaries going out, the missionary movement that has taken place for centuries, and it still does today. And almost every one of those missionaries would point to this scripture but don't forget the near part the near part these are the people around us 
our family, our friends, our neighbors, the people we see at our kids' school, at their sporting events, the people we work with, the customers we serve, the people we go to school with, or the people we play golf with. And when we begin to look at these near folks through God's eyes, we see them as they were made to be. And you know what? Our hearts break for them. We see them as they are now, today. So where do you start? I mean, this seems like it's so much I can't possibly do it. Where in the world do we start? Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 3 through 4 from the English Standard Version. It says this, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our affliction. Why? So that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort which we, re- which we ourselves are comforted. Well, with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. There's a lot of comforts in there. I'm going to read that again because that, I didn't do that good justice. Let's, let's go. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our afflictions so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. Where do you start? Start where God first met you. You remember that? Start with the people who are afflicted with the same afflictions or troubles that God has healed in your life. Start with people who are living the lifestyle that you left behind. Start with people whose needs you understand. Needs that God has helped you work through in your own life. And the message is simple. The message is so simple. Here's what God has done for me. He can do the same for you. And I'll walk along with you if you'll let me do that. And you know what? God will be with us all the way. He promised. Day by day by day to the end of the age. So God wants me to find a need and fill it. That's what he wants you to do. Find a need and fill it. Ask yourself this question. What's my Jesus ministry? What is my Jesus ministry? What is it that he wants me to do? What am I uniquely equipped to do for Jesus? Each one of you here, you may not think so, each one of you here is uniquely equipped for something that God is calling you to do. God has given you particular spiritual gifts. He's placed in your heart this passion for particular people going through tough times. He's given you special abilities 
Some of you are nurses, and teachers, and builders, and small business owners. Some of you are craftsmen, and office managers, computer geeks. Some of you are givers. And a lot of you sitting here today are prayers. You love to pray. You all have different personalities and, and life experiences, and God wants you, wants you to use all of those things, all of those personalities and life experiences. God wants to use all of you to go to the people who are near and far and to show them what you are learning about living like Jesus. We're in a learning process. All of us, we're not there. What are we learning about living like Jesus? Let's show that to other people. So Jesus welcomes everyone because he sees us as we're made to be. Jesus heals every sickness because he wants us to live a life full and satisfying. Jesus calls us to a new life, lifestyle because only changed people can change other people. Jesus sends us out to show everyone we meet, far and near, how to live like Jesus. Someone has described a football game like this. 22,000 people desperately in need of exercise watching 22 people desperately in need of a rest. And sadly, that description could also apply to the church today. According, and this is an ABC News poll, according to a recent ABC News poll, 83% of Americans... 83% of Americans identify themselves as Christians. That's over 260 million people. I mean, just think of those numbers that are staggering. Can you imagine what the world would be like if all of these people learned to live like Jesus? They won't. Can you imagine what the world would be like if even 10%, 26 million people got into the game. See, that's our challenge here at Renovation Vineyard Church, to learn to live like Jesus ourselves and then to bring others along with us. So what does that mean for you? What does that mean for me? What it means for you is you get to play. You get to play. Not just watch from the sidelines. You be, get to be in the game. You can have skin in the game. Everyone's involved. Secondly, you will receive power. The Holy Spirit's going to give you everything that you need to play. He's got all the equipment, all the special equipment that you need for all the different circumstances, regardless of what kind of team you play on, he's got that equipment for you. You'll receive power. And thirdly, you can change the world. 
Do you believe that? You can change the world. You see, I've read this book. And in the end, your team wins. It wins. So won't you take a few minutes with me and let's try to listen to what God is saying to us as we close out this morning. Come, Holy Spirit. Come and move among us right now. Apply your word to our hearts. We want to hear from you. Holy Spirit, we welcome you. Speak to us now in the quietness of our hearts.